Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to the sixth and last episode of this series on witnessing and sharing our faith, our God stories. And as we look at this last section, this is very special. The title of this session is Don't Feed the Baby a Steak. (laughs) And uh, of course, anybody that's raised children know that every child starts out with baby steps and baby food, and that's the way baby Christians should start out. But for most churches and most strategies, we just throw a stake at the baby Christian. So let's review episode number five, and we'll get into this last episode. In the last episode, episode five, we discovered your primary mission field are those who are embedded in your social network, the friends and relatives, neighbors, people where you work or go to school. That is your mission field or that's where the low-hanging fruit can be found. If you have developed and know how to use your personal God stories, then you become a person who knows the best way how to witness and how to be a witness of your faith because you're sharing your stories. You also have learned in episode five that people under stress who are experiencing change or whatever's going on in their life, that represents increased receptivity to your God stories, especially when you have a similar God story which you can share. We've also learned in episode five that your primary mission field and the primary mission field for your church is the total number of unchurched people in the social networks of those who attend your church. That's where the low-hanging fruit is. And what's exciting about that is when you reach unchurched people and you properly assimilate them, which is the lesson we're going to look at here in episode six, those people come into the church and if they've been unchurched, a lot of their social network people are unchurched. If you've been a Christian for 30 years, you may have a few unchurched connections, but they will have many. And if they are equipped through this process the right way, then in the second generation of outreach, when they are reaching their social networks and sharing their God stories, that's when churches explode with growth. That's how revivals occur. When you get to that second generation, when formerly unchurched people and their unchurched networks, when those unchurched people become Christians and they are assimilated properly, and they grow as Christians, and they learn in an environment where people share their God stories, and they share their God stories with unchurched people. Oh, wow. It just takes off exponential growth, and that's what God has in mind all along. But where do we get, or how do we get, those people from a point where you are sharing your God stories to where they're ready to go to worship? So, episode six, this episode, is all about what's next. So if you've developed a spiritual side to your relationship with someone and you're sharing some of your God stories, what if that person shows receptivity? What do you do next? Well, the answer, which most Christians give, is this one. Well, invite them to church. Get them into worship. Well, first of all, if you absolutely are stuck in that mode, don't invite them to church anyway. Bring them to church because most Christians have no concept of the stress related for someone who's unchurched to first worship at a church. But if you leave your family at the church and go back and pick up those people and bring them to church and you're with them when they walk in, that stress subsides tremendously. In fact, they'll look at how you're dressed, whether you're carrying a Bible and a hundred other little signs that will remove their anxiety 
if they see how you are and walk in together with them. But even better yet is to understand that for most people, the best answer to what's next at this stage in their lives is to not invite them to church. I know it sounds like heresy, but invite them to join you for coffee or lunch or whatever you like to do. The key is to develop relationships and move the faith conversations further and deeper. Again, why not invite them to church? I know it sounds like heresy, but the best answer to that question of why not invite them to church, the best answer is they might not be ready or they might be overwhelmed by all that worship represents. And so what happens is people get thrown into worship and they go through what we call spiritual culture shock. And that's when you begin to lose them. We got a lot of churches that force people into worship too soon and they might even come for a while, but they don't stick. It's like feeding a baby a steak. You know, children begin by taking baby steps. The children of God also begin or should be led to take baby steps. But unfortunately, most Christians, most churches do not have a baby step strategy of assimilation. And so what they do is they invite them to church and they take the baby Christian from zero to 100 miles an hour in one step. Not a good idea. Not a good idea at all. We've learned a lot about this next step mechanism from our annual visits when we take groups to England. As I record this, we've taken 18 groups over 18 years to England. And within a few weeks, we're going to take the 19th group to England. Let me explain a little bit about England so you understand. England precedes the U.S. and Canada in the spiritual cycle. What I mean by that is England hit bottom in total secularization, dramatic decline of worship attendance about 20 years prior to the United States. Now, that includes a lot of factors, which is a whole other subject, but that's about right, about 20 years. Canada is about 15 years behind England in secularization, and the U.S. is about 20 years. So now England is going through a renewal of many of the churches, not all, but they are now on the upswing in a quite large group of churches. And so every year we take groups of North American Christians, no more than 20 at a time, to visit England, and it becomes a classroom of the future for what God often will do next on this side of the Atlantic. So it's a great way to introduce people to what God may be doing next and to give them a heads up. And it works. Uh, People that go with us to England by the hundreds now will say, I'll never be the same having seen what's going on in England, talking to those leaders and learning from uh, those of us who are leading the team every year. So we've developed this relationship with many of these key leaders of God that God is using for that movement in England. And what our groups learn and experience in England is absolutely phenomenal. The reason I'm sharing that is that one of the mechanisms developed by some of the churches in England is what we have come to outreach clusters. They don't call them outreach clusters unless they're describing them to church leaders and the people we bring. But that's the official name of this strategy. An outreach cluster is among Christians from the same church, usually contains about, oh, around 15 to 20 people, not too much more than that. Sometimes they're a little bit bigger, but it's about 15 to 20. So it's a little bit bigger than a small group, but it's not a crowd like a worship service. And your outreach cluster may gather once or twice 
each month. Their primary purpose is to come together and have fun. Just have fun with each other. Some outreach clusters go to a movie once or twice a month, and then they might go out for dessert or go to somebody's house for dessert and discuss the movie. Other clusters just get together and have a picnic once in a while. Some of them get together and play games, board games and stuff like that. Some of them just have a dinner at somebody's house and they take turns. That really doesn't matter. The main thing is that they just have fellowship and fun together. And it's to the outreach cluster that you take those baby Christians who are showing continued interest in faith and in God before, way before, they're ready to participate in worship service. Every outreach cluster has a leader. The leader organizes the group and communicates to the members of the group and does not much else. It's what we call lightweight, low-maintenance. There's a lot of organization to this. They just pick an activity to do, and the leader communicates it to the group, and that's pretty much it. Often these groups will have a specific and unique ministry that they also perform. Besides the times they get together to have fun, they might do some ministry on a regular basis. It might be something they do out in the community, not at the church. They might serve at a soup kitchen once a month. They might go out on a hot day on a weekend to the parks and pass out water bottles and just bless people, get into conversations and maybe pray for people that have needs or whatever. But a lot of them do. There's one group that I know goes to the inner city and helps clean up block by block and gets involved with the neighbors there and lets them know they're going to be cleaning up and they just help kind of beautify the place. Another outreach cluster maybe helps clean up yards or paint homes of elderly people that are still in their homes. It really doesn't matter, but they just have some ministry that they always do together as a group, maybe once a month. They might meet as an outreach cluster once or twice a month. So they're together as a group, maybe three times a month total, maybe more, maybe less. So let's see how this works. Let's say you have been sharing your God stories with Paul at work and have come to the place where you actually now meet with Paul and his wife and your spouse together and talk a little bit. And you might be getting the idea that Paul and his wife, Cindy, might be about ready to ask you, you know, can we come with you to church? But before they do that, what you want to do is head them off at the pass. You don't want to remind them that they're baby Christians and it might blow their minds to go to your worship service, which it would for most people. But instead, it's the right time to invite them to your outreach cluster. So each cluster usually has a name that's not a religious term. So let's say that your outreach cluster is called Radiate. Radiate is actually the name of an outreach cluster that I've attended during some of my trips to England. Radiate has been formed with people who work in the medical field. They all do something that relates to the medical field. And so they have similar occupations in that particular outreach cluster. Some of them are doctors, some are nurses, some janitors at hospital, uh, hospitals, some are pharmacists, some of them work at a pharmacy, some of them uh, deliver medical supplies, whatever it has to do with the medical community. And so they get into some side conversations about the medical community, their jobs, medicine, whatever they talk about. But everybody in the cluster doesn't have to have the same job. They can get together because they have similar interests or they get to know each other. So let's say you're part of Radiate and you bring Paul and Cindy along to Radiate. And let's say Radiate is having a picnic next month at Northbridge Park. So you invite Paul and Cindy to come with you to this gathering. You pick them up. You don't ask them to go to a certain place and go through that trauma. You pick them up 
and then you take them to the picnic. In the course of time that you're together there, you meet some of the others in your cluster who are members of your church, and you introduce Paul and Cindy to them in that very relational kind of picnic setting. And some of those people will have a guest there, and so they're going to learn that they're not the only guests. And so people will introduce them to their guests who are also baby Christians. And so now they've got some friends who are taking baby steps also on the journey to Jesus. And so they meet these other people that others have brought to Radiate, along with the long-term members of your church who are part of Radiate. At some point in the gathering, the leader welcomes everyone and asks you to introduce your guests. So as the picnic proceeds, you introduce Paul and Cindy, and here's the concept. The concept is they're beginning to meet other people and develop relationships with other Christians from your church, and they haven't even been to a worship service. So in the process, they're going to meet some other guests and the people that are from the church. And at some point, it's time to eat. If you're going to have a picnic, you're going to eat. So the leader might ask one of your church members to pray for the meal and get it started. The leader's not going to take the role of a leader as if the pastor has to do every ministry. Right from the beginning, they're just going to spontaneously ask someone who is spontaneously going to pray. This is part of what mature Christians do, and they're going to model that for everybody in the group, including Paul and Cindy, who you brought, and who are on a journey toward Christ. Before people start to leave and the picnic's winding down, the leader of Radiate's going to ask everybody to gather together, and he's going to say, now, those of you who are from our church, we just always do this, and we're going to do it again today. Anybody want to share what God has done in your life since the last time Radiate gathered together? And some people are going to share. And as they do, your guests, Paul and Cindy, are going to learn that you're not the only ones that have God's stories. Some of these other people do, too, not just you. And that's very important because they're going to learn something more than they knew before. So you invite Paul and Cindy to the next gathering of Radiate, and the relationships continue to grow. Now, somewhere along the journey, Paul and Cindy are going to ask you about your church. When they do, and not before, they're ready to come to church. You say, great, we will pick you up at your home, and we will bring you with us to church. Again, even though you got to leave your family at church because you don't have enough room in your car, and go back and pick them up. Your family will join them when they come to the front door, but you bring them to church so they don't have to go through the stress of where to park, what door to go into, are we properly dressed? All those stresses go away. That's a huge big deal. And what happens is your outreach cluster tends to sit together at church, and so you bring Paul and Cindy to the place of worship, and they sit with you and your family with Radiate. So they look around, all these people in church, and they already know some of these people because they've been attending Radiate. In other words, they are already greatly assimilated into your church before they ever first attend your church for worship. In a bigger church, people only know real well 10, 20, 30 people anyway. So now that's all they need to know. Now they'll meet some other people along the way, but that's just gravy. So now they know the people of Radiate by name, and maybe some of their guests who are now sitting with them. And as Radiate grows, it divides. So that it's not a crowd 
that intimidate new people coming in, but you always keep it right around 20. And so now somebody else starts a, a new group. But the whole point for Paul and Cindy is that as they attend your church for the very first time, they're seated with 10 to 20 people who they already know. So when they step into your church for the first time for formal worship, they're already somewhat assimilated. Now let's continue the journey of Paul and Cindy a little bit further. Let's say there comes a point where they say, well, you've talked about baptism a couple of times, and we've talked about it, and we think we want to be baptized. Okay, that's another step for the baby to become a teenager, maybe, or whatever. So they want to be baptized, Paul and Cindy. So what happens when they go up to be baptized at the front of the church? Well, what happens is the group of Radiate go up there as their already Christian family, and they're standing around them as a public witness and a demonstration that they already have a Christian family within the context of the bigger Christian family, your church. How cool is that? So the whole plan is that babies take baby steps, so we need a baby step strategy. So we have a middle step strategy, which we call an outreach cluster, and they meet people, and they're assimilated with those people. And actually, sometimes in some churches, these people like Paul and Cindy would be baptized at somebody's swimming pool who belongs to Radiate, or at a park, or in a lake, or indoors at somebody's house. And so that baptism is part of that Christian family. And now they have all these sponsors. These are all sponsors for these people. If they don't show up, you know, if they start to drift in their walk to God and their growth as young Christians, guess what? They're going to be 10 to 20 people that are going to be concerned about them. And they're going to want to know what's going on with them. They're going to be praying for them. So the whole concept is the way we bring most people to church is a big mistake because a lot of people aren't ready for it. It's like feeding steak to a baby. No good parent would do that. No good church should do that. Well, sooner or later, Paul and Cindy are ready for spiritual steak. So what do you do? Tell them to find a Bible study at church? No. You bring them to a Bible study that is led by one of your Radiate friends. It may not be all Radiate people. It may be just another Bible study, but there's at least one other Radiate person there. And the best scenario is if that person is leading the Bible study because they will already know them. Over time, Paul and Cindy are going to learn how to share their God stories in their social networks. Now, remember, as former non-practicing Christians, many of the people in their social network are very likely not Christians. And that's when your church grows exponentially. And that's when Paul and Cindy may start and hive off a group from Radiate to start their own outreach cluster to which some of their friends can come and be a part of. And perhaps Paul or Cindy will be the leader of that new outreach cluster. Basically, this is the way to middle step people on the journey to Jesus. And you know what? It works. And so before long, Paul and Cindy sharing their God stories 
because they've caught it, not taught it. They haven't been taught it. They caught it. They caught it from you. They caught it from other people at Radiate. They have become part of that culture of sharing God's stories. And now they're prepared to be witnesses to their friends. And they may not even know what the word witness means. And it doesn't matter. They do it. They may not be theological giants, but they're witnesses. And when this happens, not only with Paul and Cindy, but all across your church, now you're beginning to see the growth of the church like you read about in the New Testament. Isn't that cool? That is really cool. Don't you think? You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.